For our regular attendees, thank you for being uh, here on, on this Sunday. We have an exciting, exciting day planned uh, for each of you. Let's all begin by singing a Christmas hymn together. There's a hymnal located in the rack in front of you. If you wouldn't mind, pick that up and turn to number 95. We're going to sing the first and the last verse to Joy to the World. Stand together with me, if you would, and let's stand up and sing that together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive. nature. Verse 4, He rules the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of his love. You may be seated. A few announcements for you before we get started. First of all, we'd like to welcome the many, many guests that we have here this morning. I see a whole lot of you that are uh, visiting with us today. So whether or not it is your first time being in a service here or it is your first time in a long time, we would like to give you a connection card that you'd fill out, that would help us to better serve you at a later date. So, men, if you would come on forward, our ushers would come on forward, and we'd have no, uh, we have no desire to, to pick on you or call your name or make you say anything. We just want to slip a card in your hand real quick and uh, give you that so that you can fill, out, fill that out for us. So if you're visiting, if you wouldn't mind, just hold up your hand nice and high until we make our way to you. That way, one of our, uh, uh, until one of our men are able to get that card to you, one, one per uh, family there. And uh, that way we have a record of your visit. Keep it up, please, until our ushers make their way to you. And while those are being passed out, let me just also say a word to those of you receiving those. Uh, about halfway through the drama, we're going to uh, pass our offering plates. We are not, if you're visiting, we are not looking for you to put any uh, money in the plate per se. Only thing we ask is that you put that card in the plate. Uh, in the offering plate when it passes by uh, in a little bit. So uh, it's going to get very dark in here in just a moment with uh, the drama. And so if you have a pen, begin furiously filling that out, please. And that would help us to be able to, uh, to, to have that as a record. If you're not able to get it filled out and put in the plate by the time of the offering, our ushers will be standing, our men wearing the uh, maroon coats, They'll be standing in the back of the auditorium. You can give it to them on your way out. So whatever is more convenient for you. We're, we're glad you're here. A couple of things for you before we begin. Uh, first, uh, we do have a, a church nursery. And that nursery is located um, uh, around uh, the corner here down the hall. One of our ushers would be happy to help you uh, find that. If you're not comfortable putting your child in our nursery, we do have a closed-circuit TV room with the drama playing, and that is located right outside of our auditorium doors. 
And so if you have a child and your child begins to make a scene or become uh, uh, loud, we do ask for the sake of our actors that you would use that closed circuit TV room and enjoy the presentation from there. You keep that in mind. If you have any questions about any of that, again, our ushers will be able to point you in the right direction and accommodate you. If you're going to take pictures or videos, we encourage you to do that. Uh, but please do not use any flash photography. If you have a flash on your phone and you're able to turn that off, we ask that you do that so as not to distract our team. And then if you have a cell phone, if you wouldn't mind, please put that in silent mode for us so those don't serve as any distractions either. If we could have the uh, backlights turned off there, thank you very much. We've put a lot of work into this. We're excited to present to you the White Oak Baptist Church Choir and Drama Team presents the greatest story ever told. soliciting sign out in front of the neighborhood? Oh, yes, sir, I did. Unfortunately, I have no idea what that means, but I will definitely keep an eye out for any suspicious character. 
young lady. Panhandling is a misdemeanor. Well, at least it should be. So if you will kindly remove all this junk off my front porch immediately, I may decide not to call the police. Well, if the no thank you could have spied. I'm sorry, but I was being too persistent, sir. My teacher's tummy is both and daring and trying. Oh, I can definitely see that. Norma, I need a dirt pill. This child is upsetting me. Who's Norma? Oh, she's my caretaker if it's any of your business. Norma! I'm very sorry to bother you. Here, take this candy cane on the house. I don't want any of your Christmas junk. Did you, did you not know that uh, I don't celebrate Christmas? Christmas is a holiday for superstitious and simple-minded people. Oh, the only thing worse than Christmas is Easter. Oh, I love Easter. Oh, shocking. What a poor excuse for parenting. What kind of school has children peddling Christmas goods as a fundraiser anyway? My school does. Shady Mountain Christian School. It's a great school. Ah, I see. That explains everything. You've been brainwashed, you Doc- poor child. Dr. Fitz, did you want me. your pill? Listen to me, kid. You ignore anything they tell you at that school. You're being taught nothing but lies and foolishness. Dr. Fitz. Come in, Norma. Now, remember what I said. You ignore anything from that school, especially anything about Christmas or Jesus.
What is it now? Oh, hello, sir. Uh, my name is Charity Walker. I live down the street at 201. I know who you are. You're the one who left the cookies on my front porch when you moved in. Oh, well, I guess I did, yes. Well, I'm a diabetic, so I would appreciate it if you didn't leave any poisonous things on my doorstep. Also, that junk mail about the summer cookout and fall festival at some church, that belongs in the trash bin, not on my doorstep. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize about the cookies, I mean. I'm sorry. Well, so you did. What do you want now? Well, my daughter Lizzie was here a few minutes ago at your house, and she was selling some... Yes, I vividly remember. What of it? Well, she seemed to think that you told her not to listen to anything her teachers told her at school. She was so very confused, I was sure she must have been mistaken. I most certainly did tell her to ignore any brainwash and drivel spoon-fed to her from that poor excuse of a school. And you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Well, I must say, I am shocked. I understand if you don't agree with our beliefs, but I would really appreciate if you didn't tell my daughter not to listen to her teachers at school. Well, I would appreciate it if you didn't let your little girl trespass on my property, panhandle oh. worthless junk like some bagamon on my front porch. I tried telling you it was a junk, Mom. I even showed him the tag. Norma, the child is back. I need another pill. Well, um... Mr. Mr. Fitz, and it's Dr. Fitz. Dr. Fitz, I'm so sorry that we've, we've troubled you. We won't bother you any longer. Good, because I'm an old and sick man who isn't going to live much longer, and I'd like to just have a few days of peace. I'm so sorry to hear that. We'll be praying for you, and please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. There is definitely something you can do. Don't pray for me. And, and take that child out of that crazy school. She's a bright one with a lot of potential. Hey, Mom, I told you Tyler likes me. He just looks like a mean old man on the outside. I didn't spend 40 years educating students in molecular biology to stand by silently while children are being taught superstitions. Well, Dr. Fitz, I don't think I can do either of those two things. But I will pray that the Lord will bring peace to your soul, the true peace that comes from knowing the gospel. I'm going to pray, too, Mr. Dr. Fitz. Norma, bring me two pills this time. Norma! Mr. Dr. Fitz, do you want to come to my Christmas play? Oh, I'm sure he doesn't want to come. I'm going to be the star of the play at the top of the major, and I'm going to sing a beautiful song about Jesus. Norma! I'm coming, I'm coming, Dr. Fitz. What took you so long? I'm most likely going to keel over at any moment, and I... Won't have any pain pills. I'm so sorry, Dr. Fitz, but I was on the phone with my son-in-law. My daughter's going to have her baby at any moment. Congratulations. I have to fly to Miami tonight. What? Miami? What am I supposed to do? I'm so sorry, Dr. Fitz. I can call the agency and see if someone else can come over as soon as they're available, but it is the holidays. Well, that's just great. I'm most likely going to die at any minute, and I'm not going to have anyone here to give me my last few pain pills before I die. Oh, Dr. Fitz, it's not that bad. Dr. Fitz, I have an idea. My older sister, Sarah, is a nurse. Well, she's in college studying to be a nurse. She and I can come over and babysit you. Babysit me? I don't need a babysitter. I just need someone to come and watch me die. I think that's a great idea. Dr. Fitz just needs supervision and someone to pop him a pill every now and then. 
I'm sure your daughter will be qualified. Let me just check with the agency. Well, what do you think, Dr. Fitz? Please, 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 Dr. Fitz. I'll make you cookies. I'll even help you decorate. Well, it doesn't seem I have much choice, does it? No, it doesn't. Fine. On one condition. No Christmas. they could trespass on my property. I thought you needed some Christmas spirit. And uh, what are you doing now? Mommy said not to bring too many decorations over. She doesn't really think you want the brand new. You would love them. Oh, sir, the tree looks beautiful. Don't you think so, Mr. Fitz? Ah! Mr. Fitz, do you have any grandchildren? No, I, I don't. Do you think I could adopt you as my grandfather? I never knew my grandfather, but I always wanted one. I don't think that's exactly how it works, young lady. What's that in your hand? It's a shepherd. I told you you could bring over a few decorations as long as none of them were religious. But, Mr. Fitz, that's impossible. Jesus' birth is the whole point of Christmas. It wouldn't even be a holiday without it. A deal's a deal. None of that nonsense in my house. Oh, Mr. Fitz, don't be the Scrooge. I guess in the Christmas story, you would be Herod. Oh, never mind. Lizzie, why don't you sit down? You're looking a little flushed. I'm okay, Sarah. Mr. Fitz, I know you don't want Jesus in your house right now, but I sure hope one day you'll want him in your heart. I don't even know what that means. I know you don't, but you will. Uh. 
how the prophets foretold of his coming, loving Messiah to seek and to save, sent to bear burdens of suffering and sinner, to die that the sinner might live. Let him in, let him in, let this child into your heart. Hold him close, feel the hope that is piercing through the night. Trust in him, come to him, the Messiah comes to save. Welcome the Savior, and let him enter in. Savior, a friend and forgiver, so none would make room for the King. Hush, hear him knocking, he stands at the doorway. Hear how his voice calls you out of the night. child into your heart. Hold him close, feel the hope that is piercing through the night. Trust in him, come to him, the Messiah comes to save. Welcome the Savior, and let him enter Savior, and let him enter in. Aggie, you wouldn't believe this child. She's just as pushy and excitable as you were. Being around her makes me miss you so much. Oh, and she talks about Jesus all the time. Maggie, I just miss you so much. Hey, Mr. Fitz, how are you feeling today? You look great. Good afternoon, Lizzie. I'm feeling achy and miserable. Well, I know what'll fix that. I brought you Christmas music. Sarah, you might as well bring me a pill now. Who's Maggie? What? I heard you talking to Maggie, but I didn't see anybody. Oh, Ma- Ma- Maggie is my wife. 
She passed away a little over a, a year ago, and I occasionally talk to her without realizing it, I guess. Oh, is that kind of like praying? No, it most certainly is not. Mr. Fitz, I wish I could have met her. I know I would have liked her. I think she would have liked you, too. Did you say you needed a pill, Dr. Fitz? Oh, Lizzie, how are you feeling? I'm great, not icky or miserable. <laughs> well, I feel just awful, and I need my pill, Sarah, but I guess you really don't care about me. I'll get a pill for you right away, Dr. Fitz. You left us here the other day. Oh, that's where the lost shepherd went. I've been trying to remember. What did the shepherds have to do with the baby Jesus anyway? Didn't they take him to a, a stable or something like that? No, no, no. They didn't take the baby Jesus. They found him. But why were they looking for him? Because they've heard their whole lives that a Messiah was coming who was going to set his people free. And then one night, while they were sitting out in the fields, an angel appeared in the sky. He told the shepherds that a Messiah had been born that very night. Well, naturally, they all got really scared of seeing a big angel floating in the sky. But then, when the angel invited them to come and see Jesus and worship him. But if Jesus was the great Messiah of the Jews, why did the angels bother telling random shepherds? Why did they tell important people? Or why did they tell everyone, for that matter? There were kings that got to see Jesus, too. But the shepherds got to see him first. My teacher says, that's just the way God is. He's an respecter of persons, and Jesus wasn't just for the rich people and the religious people. He came to die on the cross for everyone. And anyone who believes in him can have eternal life.
That is a nice story. Very inspirational. It's not just a story, Mr. Fitz. It really happened. <laughs> I can certainly tell you believed it really happened. Now, how about you tell me the story again, but this time leave out all the parts that are make-believe, like the miracles and the angels and all that stuff. I can still see we have a long ways to go. Even old people can become Christians. All you have to do is repent of your unbelief and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Your Jesus has plenty old people without adding me to the list. I'm sorry, Dr. Fitz. I can't find your pain medication anywhere. Do you even remember where you put it last? Of course not. I'm old. I lose everything. You're the young one. I'm sure you'll find it. But hurry up. I feel awful. Will you come to my Christmas play tonight at school? Won't you, please? Lizzie, you ask me this every day, and I give you the same answer. Oh, but I knew you'd like it. I'm going to be the star of the show. Oh, you're playing the baby Jesus? Oh, no, we're using a baby doll for the baby Jesus. <laughs> Lizzie is playing the actual star. You know, the Bethlehem star? I get to stand on top of the stable and sing a star song. A wondrous night. Oh, that does sound entertaining. Sierra, did you find my pills yet? Yes, they're, yes, sir. They're right here. <gasps> Lizzie, what's wrong? Are you feeling tired? I'm just sleepy, that's all. There's someone who is here to take care of me. You sure don't spend very much time doing it. I'm sorry, Dr. Fitz. I've just... been asking for my pills over and over again. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Fitz. Here's your pill. But you know you're not the only one with problems. No, I'm just the one who's dying. If you only knew the truth, you'd feel... Sarah, let's go. We have so much to do for the concert. Goodbye, Mr. Fitz. I hope you feel better. I pray for you every night. Bye, Dr. Fitz. I'll be in tomorrow morning. Good, goodbye, girls. And good luck till night, Lizzie. I'll look for you in the audience. I'll be the one in the star costume. Star costume? Who ever heard of such? What'd she write on this CD? Christmas music should help answer your questions. I wonder what's on here.
Go ahead and come forward at this time. Everybody's doing such a great job so far. So thankful for all the work that's gone into this. Thank you for being here today. Again, if you are one of our honored guests, if you would please drop that card in the plate in just a moment as the offering plates pass. And for the rest of our church family, let's give back to the Lord as he so graciously gives to us. Let's have a word of prayer for the offering uh, this morning. Mike Kinkowski, if you lift your voice loud and lead us in, in prayer.
excuse me, excuse me, sir. Have I found my way to the illustrious Christmas program? You sure have. Welcome to the Shady Mountain Christian School Christmas play. My granddaughter is going to be in this play, and uh, I'll need a seat near an exit, preferably away from any drafts. And I hope there's no strobe lighting.
Excuse me, sir. Sir, excuse me. Yes. Hello. I came here tonight to see Lizzie Walker in this place. She was supposed to be the star on top of this table or something, but I, I haven't seen her anywhere. Well, I'm sorry, but Lizzie had another episode earlier this afternoon, and she's in the hospital. What? What kind of episode? What are you talking about? She isn't able to come to school very often, uh, but uh, she... Uh, no, that can't be right. Well, yeah, unfortunately. It must be somebody else. Yes, I'm so sorry.
Yes, I'm basically a relative. I must get through. Oh, Lizzie. Oh. Oh. Oh, dear God, I know I haven't really talked to you very much, and you haven't really heard from me very much. Oh, I guess what I mean is, if you could just listen to me this one time, I don't know what to say. Oh, I know I spend most of my life denying you, and it, it seems shameful of me now to be coming to you, but God, I feel helpless. This little girl is such a wonderful little girl, and it seems so wrong that she should have to suffer. I know I spent years fighting against you, and I'm sorry. I used to think you were harsh, uncaring, and mean. And I wanted so much for you not to be real. But this little girl and her family, they have taught me that I was wrong. You are the God of Kings. And shepherds, you love all people, even the most wretched sinners, even those who denied you and, and fought against you. God, I believe in you. I believe your son died for me and I accept you as my Savior. I heard the story of your birth and death and, and I believe in you.
Please, Lord, hear my prayer. Please don't let this little girl die. I'm not dying, Mr. Fitz. Oh, Oh, Lizzie, you're awake. Careful, Mr. Fitz. The doctor's quiet in me. I'm sorry. I'm just so happy. You were just praying, Mr. Fitz. Oh, yes, Lizzie, I was. After a long life of running away from God, I think I finally wanted to accept Him. I think that's the most wonderful news I think I've ever heard. Oh, Mommy and Sarah, did you hear? Dr. Fitz trusted Christ. Oh, that's wonderful, Dr. Fitz. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's a little giraffe for you, honey. How are you feeling? Good. You feeling better? Good. Oh, that's wonderful, Dr. Fitz. I'm so happy for you. You know, I never told you this, but my wife was a believer. Really? Yeah, she visited a church with several of her friends uh, years ago and, and came home and announced that she was a Christian. It made me so mad. I, I was awful to her. I was awful about her faith. I just couldn't understand why she would want to believe in a God who made her so sick and then, then took her away from me. You know, Dr. Fitz, I've uh, struggled with these same thoughts these past few years since Lizzie has been sick. But I always remember that God is good, no matter what I may think or feel. And his ways are best, even though we may not have chosen them for ourselves. I just wish I could tell Maggie that I finally trusted in Christ as my Savior. Don't worry, Mr. Fitz. She knows. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Luke that there is a joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. So when you repented and accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the angels in heaven celebrated. I'm sure Maggie must have heard them. Just think how loud an angel celebration must be. Mr. Fitz, are you crying? I'm just so happy. Does this mean I can bring the rest of my Christmas decorations over? You can bring over all those decorations. And the most important thing is I want to hear the Christmas story complete everything. You're kind of like one of those shepherds because you heard about Jesus at Christmas time. And you found found him him at Christmas time. And because I was the least deserving to see the Savior, yet he still sought me out. Lizzie, I want you to tell me the whole story of Christmas and not to leave anything out. Silence. 
Didn't they all do such a good job? Let's give everyone one more round of applause if we could. I'd like to take about 10 to 15 minutes and make this story that you just saw personal to each and every one of you that are here today. I don't plan on taking a lot of your time, but I do ask for your undivided attention. The title of this cantata, this uh, presentation, is The Greatest Story Ever Told. What you just saw with Lizzie and Dr. Fitz was uh, uh, tugs on the heart quite a bit. But that was a made-up story. However, the story behind it, the story of the birth of Jesus, is not made up. That's a true story. You see, Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He left heaven to do it. I don't know that you quite understand what all that entails, but Jesus, Jesus was king of heaven, sitting on a throne with angels worshiping him, and he left that to come to earth to be born to peasant parents in a stable in the cold. He wasn't born to fanfare. When he was born, it was quiet. The Bible says in Luke 2, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Those are the rags used to clean the animals. They laid him in a manger. Now, I know we have cute nativity scenes that make it look so nice and soft. We don't know if there was straw in there. We don't know what they did. I'm sure Mary's motherhood instincts, she did the best with the conditions she had to work with. But please understand that Jesus, the contrast, understand where he was and what he had and what he was born down into. And then God, his father, chooses to send angels into the sky to tell people that his child is born. And he doesn't send his angels to go tell the religious leaders at the temple. He doesn't send the angels to go tell kings in some place right away. No, he sends them a few fields over to shepherds, to shepherds. Now, I know that that is romantic in, in, in sound because shepherds are at the nativity scene. You know how cute. Look at the shepherds there. But please understand, the shepherds were ones that held one of the lowest positions of society. The shepherds were considered the nobodies. And it was the shepherds who got to go see Jesus first. As little Lizzie told us in the play, Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He didn't come for just the rich and the famous. He, he came for even the lowest among us. And Jesus was born. He, uh, he gave us this Christmas day that coming up that we can celebrate. We exchange gifts at Christmas because the wise men came and gave gifts to Jesus. But I think sometimes the purpose of Christmas gets lost in the giving of gifts to each other. And all of the commercialism of it. And that's not my point is to preach against the commercialization of Christmas. But for us to remember that Jesus was born, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to put on your thinking cap for a minute. Why did Jesus leave the riches of the throne of heaven to be born in a stable on earth? Why did he do that? Did he do that just so we could have... A December 25th to celebrate and, and have a day where we can, you know, drink hot chocolate with marshmallows and, and hope that it's white when we wake up Christmas morning. 
That's not why he came, is it? We understand from reading the scriptures, reading the gospels, that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. Now, that doesn't sound quite so romantic, does it? Why would Jesus need to die? I want you to think about this. The religious systems of the world um, become quite repetitive. Whether you are in a Middle Eastern religion, whether you are in an Asian religion, or even in one of the American so-called, and I'll use the term loosely, Christian religions, many of them all revolve around the same idea, if you stop and think about it. There's doing and there's done. Doing says that if you accomplish the moral good laid out in the moral book in front of you, then the moral being in the sky will accept you into his moral happy afterlife. Whether that is an island with the whole bunch of virgins as the Islamic religion states, or whether it's heaven in some uh, uh, some. Uh, religion that pushes a works-based system here in America. But they all have the same idea. You must work your way to heaven. And I just want to ask all of those people that believe that, and I believe that might be some of you here, this question. If I could do enough good works to get to heaven, then why would Jesus leave his throne in heaven to be born on earth and live amongst us and live such a humble and simple life? Jesus was not born uh, uh, for any other reason but to die on a cross and to do it for me and for you. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. We are all sinners. You say, oh, Pastor Lejeune, I, I think of myself as a pretty good person. And I would ask you, good compared to what? Or good compared to who? Are you good compared to the people in prison? Okay, I'll give you that, maybe. Are you good compared to God in heaven? Well, that's another standard, isn't it? You see, because God is in heaven and he is flawless and sinless. And here we all are down here walking around struggling with sin. All of us. We, each and every day, we, we uh, lift ourselves up in pride. We uh, uh, will lie our way out of situations. We have an attitude when things don't go our way that is in violation of God's law. Uh, and we could go through the Ten Commandments and we all violate either the law or the spirit of all of the laws. And the Bible tells us that we are all sinners. Romans 3.10 puts it this way. It says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None righteous, there are none good, none perfect, none flawless. And while we can hold up the good of my life and the good of your life, and we can compare stacks of good works uh, with each other, my friend, we are not going to be judged by the God of heaven for our good works. Instead, we will give an account one day to God for the wrongdoings of our life. If you were to stand in court and face a federal judge, or face any judge for that matter, And had after having been found guilty of your crimes, you show up for your sentencing. The judge is not going to look at you and say, well, tell me about all the good of your life. 
No, that judge doesn't care about the good of your life. You're there not for the good. You're there because you have broken the law. One day we will stand in front of the God of heaven who is the almighty judge, the sinless, impeccable judge, and he's going to open up the book of our life that contain all of the sins of our life. And we will be judged not by the good of our life. We will be judged by the sins that we have committed. And God in heaven has every right to throw the book at us and punish us for our sins. Let me just put it to you plain because I am a sinner. I deserve to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Now, that is not a popular sermon to be preached in churches today. But my friend, that is found right here in the pages of this book over and over and over again. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we find a a passage where God is judging humanity for their sins. The book of their sins have been opened. And the Bible says this, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and whoremongers. And then it says this, and all liars. How many murders do you have to commit to be a murderer? Speak to me. How many murders do you got to commit to be a murderer? One. How many lies do you got to tell to be a liar? Is there anyone here that wants to stand up and say, I've never told a lie? I don't see any volunteers. All liars. What's going to happen to them? Listen to this. Shall have their place. Shall have their part in the place that burneth with fire and brimstone. It says this. This is the second death. Now, before we can get to the greatest story ever told, we must first understand what makes the story so great. What makes the story so great is how dire of a situation you and I are in eternally. Now, I told you about God being a judge, and you might be asking, but isn't God love? And the answer is yes. God is a judge, and God is love. How much does God love you? He loves you so much that he wanted to separate the sin of your life from your soul, your eternal soul. Why did Jesus come to earth? Because we needed to be rescued from the despair of our sin. You see, God knew that if you died under the condemnation or curse of your sin, he would have to send you to hell. And he needed to rescue his humanity. So God took his only begotten son, John 3 tells us, and sent him to earth. And Jesus was born and he lived a perfect life. And then God, robed in flesh, was nailed to a cross. And then God, his father in heaven, looked around at all of humanity, both the past and the present, and those of us that were to live in the future, and he would gather together every single sin committed by all of humanity. He would gather them up together. He would bring them and lay them on his son, Jesus Christ. And then our sin collectively would kill Jesus on the cross. Jesus went through hell on the cross so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to go to hell. That's powerful. Romans 5 tells us, pre-adventure for a righteous man would one die. Then verse 8 says this, but God, but God commendeth or proved his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, in our sinful state, Christ died for 
us. You see, Jesus didn't just die up on some cross for us to go to church and look up at the cross or maybe do it on our chest or whatever. Jesus died on a cross so that we could have the gift of everlasting life. Here's how this works. If I wanted to give you a gift, if I wanted to give you personally a gift, you know, there's some elements to this. First of all, I've got to go and buy the gift that I want to give to you. I can't give you something that doesn't belong to me. You understand that? A gift cannot be given unless it owns uh, is owned by the one who is giving the gift. The second element of that is that the receiver cannot pay for it. You understand that? If you're getting a gift, you can't pay for it. If I said to you, hey, I will give you a new car if you give me $100, that would be a really good deal, would it not? But it wouldn't be a gift. If I were to say to you, I will give you this car as long as you come to my church every service for a year straight. That would still be a pretty good deal if it was a nice car, but it wouldn't be a gift. You would have done something to purchase it. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has a gift called eternal life. That's you getting to go to heaven forever. That's forgiveness of your sin. That is an acquittal of your eternal crimes in the court of God. And God is saying, here is this gift. I paid for it. How did he pay for it? But the gift of God is eternal life. Listen to this. Listen to this. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus was born so that he could die, so that he could raise from the dead, so that he would have the power to buy your eternal life. And then God is saying to you, he's saying, here it is. It's free. It's free. You can't give me your good works because I don't take that currency. You can't give me your church attendance. I don't take that currency. You can't, you can't hand to me a, a good marriage or, or being a good neighbor or anything that you think that you have. I don't take that. It is a gift. It is free. I paid for it with the life of my son Jesus who died on that cross and I'm going to give it to you for free. All you have to do is by faith. Reach out and take it. Now, I'm going to ask you three questions. I want you in your head to answer them, not out loud, okay? Question number one. When Jesus died on the cross, did he die for all of humanity? The answer to that question is yes. How many got it right? All right, good job. All right, question number two. First two are pretty easy. Question number two. Will everybody who has ever lived, will everybody go to heaven? You were supposed to answer under your breath. The answer is no. Not everyone's going to go to heaven. Now, that brings us to an interesting thought here. Jesus died so that everyone could go to heaven, but not everyone is going to go to heaven. Huh. I wonder why. So that brings us to question three. This is a tough question. If Jesus died so everyone could go to heaven, then why isn't everyone going to go to heaven? What separates those who go from those who don't go? Now, I hope I have your attention. Because some of you walked in the door today and life has been tough on you. Some of you walked in the door today and you're doing everything you can to be a good enough person to get in God's good graces. And the answer to the question is this. You can't get to heaven no matter how hard you try on your own. You must set aside your effort and rather give God the currency of your faith. God wants to know that you can trust in his son, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection.
The Bible tells us in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. Think about that word saved. Where do we need to be rescued or saved from? From hell. Where do we need to be rescued and saved to? We need to be saved to heaven. The Bible says that if you'll turn from your unbelief and you'll trust in Jesus and his death on the cross, he'll save you. He'll save you. Now, that is not a decision that I can make for you. Everybody look up here at me. I'm almost done. I can't make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. Your spouse can't make that decision for you. You must make that decision on your own. When I was a four-year-old boy, I understood this profound truth. And at the end of a Sunday evening service, I walked down the aisle with tears running down my cheeks. And I sat next to my father on the front pew right around here. And I said to my dad, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. My dad opened his Bible and he told me the greatest story I had ever heard about how Jesus had been born and died for me and was offering me freely the gift of eternal life. And my little four-year-old self sat there with tears running down my cheeks. And I prayed and I said, Jesus, I don't deserve heaven, but I know you want to give it to me. And I believe that you died for me. You can make that same decision today. You can have Jesus give you his gift of eternal life. He's already paid for it. He's offering it to you free of charge. All he wants you to do is extend the hand of faith. I finish with this. If I were to come to your house and I were to have a present for you and I were to offer it to you, you would have two choices. You can take it or you can leave it. I could have paid for it, wrapped it up in a box, put a bow on top, written your name on it, brought it over with all the goodwill I wanted, but I can't make you take it. Can't make you do it. You've got to choose to take it. God looked down at you, and he knew you were going to live. He knew you were going to sin, and he knew you were going to need a Savior. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus purchased the gift of eternal life. He's extending it to you right now. Right where you are right now, he's saying, here it is. You've got two choices. You can extend the hand of faith and believe in him and ask him to give it to you. Or you can swat his hand away and say, not right now or no thank you. And I would say, why in the world would you want to do something so foolish? The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You can do as I did in a church. You don't have to be in a church. You can be anywhere. But you're here right now. Maybe you're watching online. You're sitting at home or you're, you're viewing this wherever you are. God is calling to you right now. He's offering you this gift of eternal life. Why don't you just set aside your stubbornness and any preconceived ideas you have and just accept it free.
There's no conditions or strings attached. He's already done the work. He just needs your faith. Why don't you right there where you are just pray this simple prayer? Repeat after me this prayer and ask Jesus to give you that gift so you can take advantage of this great story. Just say right where you are under your breath, just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that my sin is wrong. I know that you love me. I know that you died on the cross for my sin. I know that you rose from the dead. I believe that. Will you give me your gift of eternal life? Will you save my soul? Take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer and, and you meant it with all your heart, I'd like to rejoice with you over that. Would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Just slip it up. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just slip up your hand? Don't be ashamed. Hold that hand up right there. We want to rejoice with you if you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, I thank you for those who have made this very important decision to trust you as their Savior. Would you help them, Lord, to find find their feet in this new life with you as you have adopted them into your family. You have given them the gift of heaven. You've made them, Lord, into new creatures. Lord, would you help them to to follow you, to be disciples of you, to grow in you. And, Lord, I pray our church would have the opportunity to help them with that. Thank you for everything we've seen this morning, everything we've heard. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you can look this way. We're going to introduce the cast at this time and uh, allow you to uh, uh, thank them for their hard work and effort. Months and months and months and months and months went into getting ready for this, both the choir and the drama team. And so we're going to let's have them come on up here on the platform uh, one at a time. And uh, we can uh, show our appreciation for their effort. Playing uh, Elizabeth Patrice Walker or Lizzie Walker, uh, that was acted out by seven-year-old April Lejeune. Before you come out there, just a minute there, Dave, before you come out, Dr. Fitz, I, I uh, needed someone to play this role. And I looked long and hard across our church. And the first person I asked was like, no way, I'm not getting up there. And I thought, well, who can do this? And, um, and I'm riding down, uh, down over here, uh, James Farm Road, and I remembered that uh, the gentleman who played it lived over there, and I thought, that's my guy. So I called him, and I went over and sat in his kitchen, and I told him what I needed him to do. I got on my knees, and I begged him, and he said yes. And boy, he did a great job. Dr. Fitz was played by Dave Shongall. Dave, come on out. We had um, uh, we had to scramble uh, to get the the role played by by Lizzie's mother covered. The person who originally do, did it had a schedule conflict come up, and boy, uh, this person worked extra hard to memorize her lines, and she just embodied the part fully. Did a great job. Charity Walker was played by Diane Vara. And. 
Um, uh, this young lady, when I first asked her, she her knees began to knock when I asked her. She was laddled, and her dad said, you're doing it. And I said, all right, thank you, Dad. Um, pastor asked you to do it, you're doing it. Um, but uh, she she learned the part, and uh, she not only got the words down, but got the the character behind it down so well as they all did. But uh, Sarah Walker was played by Claudia Vara. Come on up, Claudia. This young lady right here um, has gone through her share of, um, of struggles with her health uh, throughout this, but has been determined to stick through it. And we began to think of uh, who would make a, ho- a good home health aide and play the role well. And I couldn't think of anyone better than, uh, than uh, this Norma here. So Norma was played by Esmeralda Campbell. If if this guy falls off the platform, it wouldn't be the first person, all right? Um, we won't tell you who it was. Uh, this this um, uh, George here helped me with, uh, with the stage and the outfits, and he has his own experience uh, with this kind of stuff prior to our church, and just put hours and hours and hours into t- retyping things and, and, and coaching the cast and, and, and helping get it just right. And so uh, our assistant director was George Harvey. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Pastor Mike and Miss Rachel worked uh, uh, just as long with the choir as, as we got to work with the drama team. And we're very thankful for all the work they put into it. Let's have our choir stand up just for a moment. Let's give them a round of applause. Lastly, we have a bunch of people working behind the scenes to make it work. I'm going to give you all of their names, tell you what they did, and we'll applaud for them all at one time. Joe Idamerican working the sound booth, uh, soundboard, and the, uh, some of the other things. Uh, Andres Barrios was uh, here to work the lights, and then Eric Ferreira on the, the spot. Uh, Pastor David Levine and the pastoral staff built this platform this week, and a lot of work went into that. Um, I'm sure I miss, oh, uh, miss uh, Sherry Pruce helped us with the decorating over here. And so very thankful for all the work that went in. Let's give all of them a round of applause as a thank you. Let's all stand. Let's sing a cappello the chorus to, Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. We'll do that a cappello and then we will pray and we'll be dismissed. My wife and I are going to slip to the back of the auditorium while this is being sung. Um, do you know that off the top of your head? Oh, come let us adore him. It's pretty simple. Right, come on up here, Pastor Mike. We're going to let him leave that. If not, just let him do it. Um, my wife and I will be in the back. If you're visiting today, we want to take just a moment to shake your hand, if we haven't already, and thank you for being here. We do have a service this evening at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a much shorter service than normal. But uh, we would love to help you, uh, accommodate you, and, and be here for you with that. If you'd like to grow spiritually, boy, we sure have a lot of opportunities here at our church. A robust Sunday school program for both children and adults. And we also have a community candlelight Christmas service at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. So I hope you'll come back for that. Pastor Mike, come lead us, and oh, come let us adore him, and then we will clo- and close in prayer. Let's sing the chorus. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye. There we go.
Thank you. You are dismissed.